wonder what success actually means? How do you get it? And how do you keep it? We all want it, yet sometimes it feels only some of us get to have it. Hi, Teresa and Blair here. We are two badass entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, coaches, and business mentors who have had success, felt success, questioned our own success, and reclaimed it. Let's be real for a hot minute. 2020 has been a roller coaster ride, and many of us have started to wonder if they'll lose the things that made them successful. So we got curious, raw and real about what success is truly about. Can you put it in a box? How can you get it? Can people take it away, or are you the one with the power? Does it mean the same to all of us, or are we the ones that create it? From PGA golf pros to doctors, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and spiritual mentors. We get together to meet with successful people from around the globe to dissect success through vibrant conversations and interviews. Make sure you click the subscribe button on the App Store because each week we will drop a new episode to bust through the myths around success and dissect its true meaning. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another amazing episode of Dissecting Success. I am your co-host, Teresa Lambert, and I am here with the one and only Blair Kaplan-Venables. And we're having another amazing, amazing, amazing guest with us today. And I cannot wait to dive into what I believe is going to be such a juicy conversation. So let me introduce him to you. As a high-ticket sales trainer and poet, Marcus Mendoza has built a reputation as the go-to source for learning how to use communication as a superpower. As the co-founder of Coachable, a coach's business development agency, Marcus has built a service model that helps optimize businesses by helping coaches focus on their genius while he and his team take care of the sales, branding, copy, and social media marketing. With his background as the head trainer of the Think and Grow Rich Institute, Marcus led the organization through a series of training programs that influenced thousands of people on how to integrate the principles of Napoleon Hill's book into their lives. Marcus is originally from Toronto, Canada, and has recently moved he and his family to Nazara, Costa Rica. Marcus, hello. I am so excited. We are so excited to have you here. I feel like this is going to be a juicy, juicy, juicy conversation. I I don't doubt it. I think that the exchanges that you and I have been having over the last few weeks have really sparked something special and dynamic that you and I share. So you have you have my transparency, you have my vulnerability, you have my honesty, and you have all of me really. So lay it on me. Can I have some? <laughs> you like, can definitely have all of it as well. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. And I agree. It's been such a joy. And I have so much gratitude for the exchange that's been happening, which is why I'm so excited about having this convo with you and having you on this podcast. And I'm so glad I reached out. I mean, you know, sometimes it's just that leap of faith that we have to take. So let's dive right in. Like, I am dying to know the answer to this question. What does success mean to you? Progress. So success is the ongoing achievement of progress manifested through the awareness of what brings fulfillment and contentment to the achievement of the goal. So if we look at success as um, the achievement of something that you said you would do, success is actually the byproduct of having integrity. So 
if you have integrity and you are achieving things in a way that you can celebrate and you have enough awareness to celebrate, then you are successful inside of the awareness and the acknowledgement that you have succeeded in achieving that which you said you were going to do or that which you said you were going to be. So success is progress and it usually looks like small results that end up being framed as big results that we would then call milestones. So it's the ongoing achievement of small results that look like progress. Ooh, that's good. Wait, you know what I'm picturing, Teresa? I'm picturing like this huge jumbo, like Jenga tower and the the Jenga tower. That's like all like, you know, like with the, with the blocks, you take the block from the middle and you put it on top and, and it's like all over the place. And each little Jenga brick is a success. And together that, that big tower is the milestone. I agree. Yeah. I see that. I love this. That's such a powerful definition. I, I, I would love to know how you ended up here, knowing this, feeling <laughs> this, living this, breathing this, like. Trauma. So trauma got me here because I believe that when what we are taught by a mainstream perspective of pretty much anything, it almost robs us, it robs us of the ability to truly think for ourselves because we're always under the influence of other people's perceptions, experiences, or opinions. The ongoing experience of failure, of needing the experience of matching what success looked like um, resulted in the having to look at how, why, who, what, where, uh, and when I decided that success was relevant in my life. So based off of how I came to understand what success was for me, what felt safe to my nervous system for me, what felt safe for the way that I was experiencing fulfillment and achievement for me, not based off of the measurements of what I was taught. It was the experience of trauma that gave me a perception that I was able to then reference and then working inside of that parameter and those parameters in the container of what felt good for me, I was then able to um, continue to succeed in a way that was congruent to my definition rather than the influence of the definition that was imposed on me. That's beautiful. And I'm sorry you went through trauma. And I think what's really interesting is that what I'm seeing as someone who has survived and thrived through multiple traumas is that it's becoming more of a normal thing to talk about instead of just slapping on a smile and pretending you're okay. And people really identifying in their life, what these, what things happen that are identified as trauma or what can be defined as trauma for them. But you had to go through all that stuff to get to where you are. But what if we can bypass some of that hard stuff with having the tools that we need? Like, what advice do you have for people listening who are at the beginning of their journey or they're just discovering they had some of this trauma or, you know, like, what can we do? So not every journey has to be so difficult. My instincts are saying, yes, it does. Um, Only because it is through failure that we learn what not to do. Um, And failure is difficult, especially if you're attached to results and outcomes. Um, so I believe I'm going to say, yes, I believe that 
it does have to be difficult, uh, but difficult, not hard and impossible, but challenging and worth the, the trip, worth the adventure. Um, almost like climbing this, you know, to the summit, like it's going to be cold. It's, you, you may fall off the, the, you know, the mountain, but uh, getting there is a celebration. So um, what I would suggest there's so much I would suggest. What wouldn't I suggest? I would suggest self-awareness. I would suggest clearly defined capacity goals. Like I would suggest nurturing the nervous system before you begin any type of successful venture or endeavor and really honoring your worth, honoring your own capacity, as well as reaching for things that are within, within the grasp of what's available just outside of your comfort zone without going you know, way too beyond. I think it's great to have ambitions, dreams, goals, desires, and visions, but not being attached, not attaching your identity to the result of having those outcomes. That way you do not measure the outcome as better than you or more valued than you, but rather you are separated from the outcome. So you're not coming from a place of attachment to the outcome. Rather, the outcome looks how you make it look within the capacity of awareness that you have. And then in that experience, you're constantly celebrating and acknowledging yourself within the journey that you're now fully aware of that you're experiencing. And nobody can take that away from you unless you let them to, uh, unless you, let, you allow them to. So I, I would say that um, practicing a way of being that feels like it's something that is embodied by what feels safe and comfortable while also a little dangerous i believe that dancing between those experiences will give you the courage and the clarity to continue creating your life on a decision decision basis so that's what i would start with wow <laughs> like <laughs> i there's so many things about what you just said that like i use a better word activate me to move but one thing that really landed for me was that we can look at trauma as a more like in a more compassionate way to lift us up rather than drag us down and that really hits deeply for me and <laughs> we've had some deep conversations so you're aware of some of my drama by now. And that, like, it just is this fine adjustment, like, like fine tuning this perspective on what trauma can and can't do for us. When in the past, I feel like I have let my trauma sabotage me in terms of how I've created success for myself because I did it through force mm. and pushing and striving. Mm. And it got me to incredible places. And then my nervous system collapsed and I burned out and, and I was like, who is this person? I don't know this person anymore. So it's, it's really cool how we can do some of this work, but really be like, it's almost like embracing the drama. I don't know. Like, I mean, not that we want to call trauma in our life, but I, I almost feel like based on what you said, we all have a, a certain level of trauma based on past lived experiences. Mm -hmm. And present. So there's so much trauma in the present. Like 
how often do you feel depletion or fatigue or exhaustion or burnout or a lack of clarity, distraction, exhaustion? Um, you know, the trauma is happening all the time because the trauma is already in our cells. It's already in our muscles. It's already in our nervous system. It's already in our thoughts. So it's how we respond to the commitment versus the attachment inside of how the trauma is actually, um, it's, it's actually activating us. It's, 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 trauma is a messenger. Symptoms are messengers. So being an entrepreneur requires a ridiculous amount of self-awareness because it is solely up to you to create your reality, to create your economy, and to create your optimal health. So if we're going to do this work, then we have to take responsibility for all the areas involved in ensuring that you can operate. And when we start to neglect, avoid, ignore a lot of the things that are part of the engine that allow us to do what we do, when we ignore that or when we force that, it actually forces outcomes and forcing an outcome leads to a place where you then have to challenge or question uh, why the result looks the way it looks and doesn't feel as good as you thought it would feel by forcing yourself into it. And that causes us to then have to look at ourselves and question what we're doing wrong um, and then having to really assess if this is what we actually want, which is where some often by forcing an outcome, you, you achieve something and then it doesn't look or feel the way you thought it would feel, even though it's exactly what you thought it would be or should it be, you can't even see it because you're already in the experience of your, you're so in the experience of your past and what it took you to get to the present that you're so caught up that you can't even witness yourself in the celebration or acknowledgement of that which you have because it doesn't feel as good as you thought you were gonna make it feel. And that's because you forced it as an outcome because you know, there's, there's pressure, there's so many reasons why we do it. Um, but I have this thing, when I don't feel like it, I don't do it, <laughs> right? Like that's it, I don't- Story of like my it. life, story of my life. <laughs> Right. Like I don't feel like I don't do it and I'm detached. I know that my magic will flow when I'm in a flow state. But if I'm trying to make, if I'm literally like trying to spark, you know, that, that ignition for something powerful to happen, but I physiologically, ethereally, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually am not congruent with what I'm available for, then I can force it, but it's not going to last. And entrepreneurialism is legacy work. So it's got to last. So there's a lot I can say about that. Whoa, whoa. Okay. That was a lot. One, I love that you just said that entrepreneurialism is legacy work. I want to talk about that. Like I had another thing in my mind, but that's actually really important because what I see, like I've been an entrepreneur my own whole life. My business is about to be 14. Teresa and I've been working together for a while. She was an entrepreneur and now she's an entrepreneur, but I see a lot of entrepreneurs burning out or giving up or, you know, thinking it's too hard because they feel like they have to hustle and grind. And then they end up not always being an entrepreneur and going back to a job. How do you, you know, I want to talk about this concept of being, you know, building a legacy as an entrepreneur. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. What do you got? What do you got? I want to know what you <laughs> think about that because I lately have been making, like, I'm in a state of shift. I'm getting shift faced <laughs> and um, I'm in the process of like 
knowing what legacy I want to leave when I'm gone, whether I'm gone next week or in a decade or in, you know, many decades. And I've been looking before I looked at being an entrepreneur as in like, I don't make the rules. I just break the rules. No one can tell me what to do. I'm going to do what I do to, I want to make a fucking difference. I want to leave my legacy. I want to know that when I'm gone, the things I've done have helped people have empowered people. But I, you know, not everyone's business does that or does it like, what is, what does it mean to you to leave a legacy as an entrepreneur or that entrepreneurialism is legacy work? Like, what does that mean to you? So what it means for me, my response is not what I think it should mean for anyone else. So there's a distinction there. there's legacy work. Here's my, here's my opinion on it. This is what I suggest for the world to do. And then there's uh, my personal opinion. So my personal opinion, based off of what my why has been for God knows how long, has been to leave every generation with my last name, financially secure and proud of the generations uh, before them in a way that says they can now look at what I've left behind as something or something that I have created as something that they can lean towards um, being proud of and, and optimizing and utilizing for their own growth. So I have this line in one of my songs, um, uh, something about like, um, I forget the line, but it, it has anything to do with how I'm the first one in my family to make seven figures in the entire dynasty of our entire lifeline. That's like hundreds of people that have never reached this point. So with that, I get to then leave that for them so that all the opportunities that my direct and immediate family missed out on, they all get to use that leverage to be able to experience their lives um, in a completely different way, which I'm still working towards that. And I ha I'm not, I haven't, um, I'm nowhere near achieving it. I thought, I thought $3 million would have given me that kind of clout, that kind of power. And I realized it's more like 30 million, you know, more like 300 million. And I'm just like, I can leave a legacy for them to, to benefit off of and capitalize on, but I'm also not attached to it. So for me, legacy work is just, it has less to do with, um, it's this tricky thing for me because I've been thinking a lot. Of, I've been thinking about it a lot, actually. So I'm, I'm downloading a lot as I'm speaking. Like I have a book I have, and this book is about life after death. Um, you know, there's all these different experiences. I have all my albums. I have my music. I have my piano playing. I have my businesses. I have all these things. So it's like, there's legacy everywhere because as long as I post it online, it's going to live forever. So I've already left the legacy. I already have my legacy. It's just a matter of who's going to benefit off of knowing that that legacy exists. So if it matters to you, your entrepreneurialism is, you know, what matters to me is that my legacy gives anybody that is associated to me the opportunity to be able to be proud of their lineage. And that is enough for me. And, and one of the things, you know, my slogan for Profit and Worth, which is my program, is your reputation determines your worth. So this is why I value and cherish nurturing the reputation so much because in our business with a shit reputation, you don't have trust. <clears throat> so without trust, it's very difficult for people to value your word. 
So, you know, it, you're going to have to make some difficult decisions for your legacy to remain intact. Um, and I've gone through that, you know, a few times where I've had to make some pretty difficult decisions where I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to do that. Like, that's going to hurt. And that's going to set me back. But my reputation is linked to my legacy. My legacy is linked to the integrity of my word. My word is linked to the value of my contribution. And if any of that gets shattered, I got to find a whole new market <laughs> where they don't know my name. And that's just way too fucking hard. So take the hit and, um, and, and let it land gently by detaching yourself from what you're making it mean and rather invent a new meaning, which is the lesson and the opportunity inside of this growth and make it congruent to you so that you can get off it and just keep doing what you do. <laughs> it's like my mind trying to catch up with like everything that you just shared. I, yeah, it's good a thing lot. it's transcribed. Yeah, <laughs> it's like blessed. That's a really good thing. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a live call? No. Okay. It will be out later. Yeah. We don't edit it. Like this is all there. Hey world. Yeah. This is <laughs> like, Yeah, we we like these uh live conversations. They happen live and then the they the story gets told in hindsight, which I Got feel it. like it's a powerful way to tell a story in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, Thanks for the question. I appreciate it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. There, there's I feel like there's so much to unpack here, but one thing that stands out for me is like, how do we start doing this like generational re rewriting of our like generational financial story? I don't know if I'm expressing that right at this moment in time, but like, it's almost like what, what you shared around like, you know, having this legacy like leaving every generation with your last name in this secure place and like being proud of like what, what this accomplishment that happened for them, through you, like for everybody to benefit. It's like, where do you even like begin? Hmm. I'm learning as I go, like my scaling system is profound and it's going to take time. Um, so I'm learning, I'm also learning about digital assets, you know, I'm learning about all different ways that, um, my energy can be compounded. The result of my energy's work can be compounded. Um, but I just have a story, like my family story is my family story. So there's a reason why that's part of what my legacy work looks like. Um, and that's why it's my definition, right? Um, and beyond that, like for everybody, it's going to be different, right? It could be different, but for me, I have my story. So I know what I got to do. Um, and nobody's asking me to do this. Like before I moved to Costa Rica, like I was trying to buy, you know, two $1.4 million houses to escape the pandemic. So my family didn't get vaccinated and I was trying to like save them. And, you know, and I ran myself into the ground, you know, to try to help save them. And I remember when I was so sick, I got so sick in September and it was from the move and then, you know, COVID and then dengue fever back to back. Like I was like destroyed and it was my immune system compromised, the stress. I didn't reach my goals. You know, there was just so much pressure moving countries, 
while being angry and bitter and resentful. And, and there's all this stuff that I had to go through so that I can, you know, achieve this legacy work, which was to save my parents, to save my family back home in Argentina. I, nobody asked me to do this. I enabled them to do it because then they relied on me to continue to make sure they were retired. And I did that at the cost of so much of the foundational work that I put in place. So, you know, my own legacy is different. I have to manage it differently. And that's why it's like, yeah, it doesn't have to be hard. Back to the first question, it doesn't have to be hard, but it often will be. And if you prepare yourself to look at those difficulties as opportunities, as, you know, as opportunities for you to grow. And this is so cliche, but it's like, the principles of life are fucking cliche. That's why everybody preaches the same shit because it's all cliche. The formula is there. Like, we just got to do it. <laughs> it's like showing up is the hardest thing for people to do. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? Like they have the formula, but it's, it's showing up. Showing up is hard, man. Especially, you know, like I had a client yesterday tell me like, oh, like, you know, like, we have a, a goal to make 70,000, you know, by the end of the month. And, and I was just like, he started, he started this week and he made 12,000 this week. And, and he was just like kind of complaining, like, Oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. You know, I can't find the motivation. And I'm like, well, you're about to get married in June. Plus you have a baby on the way. And would you rather be consumed by having to work all the time to avoid all the magic that's going to happen in those years? Or would you rather be sitting back with your business kind of working for you rather than you working for it. So you could be with your kid, you know, and your new wife. And he was just like, fuck, like showing up to do the stuff that we don't want to do. Um, there's a way to look at not wanting to do something as something that can bring you joy as well. And it is in the experience of satisfaction of knowing that you do what you don't like doing actually really well. And again, you detach from it. So you just do it as a means to an end and then you move on and you don't make it mean so much. So it just depends on your work ethic and what your your business and your your contribution to society looks like. Um, and of course, like I, I advocate for a formula I created called the one hour workday. I only work an hour, <laughs> you know, like I'm not working all day. I'm creating all day, but I'm not working all day. So my work is like I've segmented my my behavior in a way where I know certain things are going to take me 30 seconds. Other things are going to take me six minutes. Other things are going to take me 14 minutes. Other things are going to take me 12 other things are going to take me three. And in that one hour of work, those 60 minutes out of my work day, I've crushed everything I needed to crush and I don't have to feel guilty about it. And the rest of the time I'm doing whatever I want to be doing, you know, and then my business is not suffering from it because <laughs> I'm either delegating or keeping to my one things. So there's systems, there's ways to do it. And there's ways to, to, to make magic you know, to, to be able to build that business. Why did you drop this at the end of the interview? We're going to have to have you come back for part two, because I want to talk about that more. Did you say this is the end of the interview? We're coming to the end. What? We just started. Well, Teresa, what do you think? Do you want to make it a, a little bit longer? Yeah, I feel like we have to keep going. Okay. I'm also like dying. Uh, jokes. I'm jokes. like dying to ask a question and I'm like, let me respond. I will know, not. I, I take that back, people. This is not I the run. end. <laughs> that's so funny. I, so I love like, how we how we do this. 30 minutes? Was that just 30 minutes? That's the line? That was 30 minutes. Yeah. That wow. felt like five minutes. Yeah. Holy cow. I'm, yeah. I'm happy to respect that. I have no problem. No, no. no. Teresa cool. has a question. So yeah, let's just so, keep going. 
And then we'll we'll know when it's time. And you know what, Marcos, you're just going to have to come back for part two and probably three, four. Only if I'm personally invited by you, Blair. Like, I want a message in my phone that says, Marcos, get on the Zoom link. It's happening right now. Heck, yeah. (laughs) I'll get your number from T, but I also probably will send you, like, a messenger pigeon with, like, a wrapped up handwritten note. I would love that. That's a good business. We should start that. I actually have this really cool idea I'm working on right now. It's top secret. It'll be the first to hear about it. So you know how there's homeless people um, in big city metropolises where they're literally sitting outside still with a cup, right? I don't know about you, but I don't got change. Like who's got change, (laughs) right? Like, and people are stingy that they're not giving bills. So I'm working on, um, on a charity, which is a QR code charity. It's a services and app. I think I'm going to call the company Sure which is like you see somebody asking for change on the street and you're like, sure. And you just scan your phone to his code. So instead of people saying, instead of homeless people holding signs that say spare change, they're holding signs that are a QR code. That's so Jetsons of you. Right. And then you just scan it and you send them some quick money, right? Like it's so fast and so considerate. And then if homeless people don't have the phone, I set up at the shelters, the, the apps, application where they go that they go there and then they get paid out um for, marcos you're know, also I'm, I'm a humanitarian like holy smokes this because you only work one hour a day so the other 23 you create and you're a humanitarian as well it's unbelievable like how many ideas i process um it's it's a lot it's a lot i cracked the code to manifestation so now it's just a matter of giving everything the effort it deserves and some are going to make it some aren't but i don't look at things as being limited i just go Teresa, can you ask him your question involving how to crack the code for manifestation please thanks (laughs) (laughs) no pressure at all Uh, no i mean you have so many layers to what makes you you I want to like start by that. And like, when I got introduced to you, I knew like, like maybe like a, a, like a a millimeter of like what makes you, you. And every time I have a conversation with you, I'm like, every time I like listen to your music or, or hop onto your Instagram and then see what you've been up to, like, I'm like, dang and like now this you're you're just like adding all these layers and and I love that and I feel your passion for your work and I'm dying to know about the manifestation piece but one thing that stands out is that you also are going through these tough times you shared you are also experiencing things that aren't like feeling amazing and and it's not always fuck yes and everything's great like like there is these times where things get tough and like how do you get yourself to keep motivated to keep showing up to keep coming back to this place of alignment because honestly like this is what what I have found like this is the the thing where like when the going gets tough like what do you say? Like the rubber meets the road. Like I'm so bad with like sayings. Like that's like my jinglish coming in. I'm like, whatever. But like literally like the crowds divide, right? Like all of a sudden, like there's a reason that there was a like only like whatever, like four 
4% of people, 2% of people listen to something or, or read a book or, or take a course or be in a program or get coaching, actually fucking do something with it. Because the second it gets hard, they're like, I'm fucking out. So how do you keep like moving? Like, I feel like so many of our listeners will resonate with this. So that, that is like my dying burning question. And while you answer that, you can also just include how you have manifested this incredible life and cracked a code to manifestation. So the, the answer is coffee. That's the answer. <laughs> and it really is. It really is because I only do my best work within the three to four hours that coffee is in me. So when I wake up, I don't know about you guys, but when I wake up, it's a celebration. I wake up and, and it doesn't stop. And I'm, I'll tell you the real, my real response, but coffee, what coffee does to me is the same thing that exercise does to us, right? It just like activates all of the, the internal mechanisms in our bodies and brains that get us going. And for me, uh, that, that morning experience where I wake up, I wake up on purpose. So, um, the word, the word that comes to mind for me is obsession. So you're asking how, well, I'm obsessed. I am fucking obsessed. And if we were to say with obsession, like what's a healthy version of obsession, let's call it passion. Right. So again, the fucking formula is out there. Everybody talks about passion and purpose. How many people talk about obsession because it can get unhealthy. But when you look at passion as a, as, as like the angel version of obsession, you know, you gotta be, you don't gotta be, but you get to be, if you choose to be obsessed with yourself, with creation, you know, you get to be, and that obsession it turns into this almost locomotive energy that has you just fucking go. But if you're not obsessed about anything, especially in entrepreneurialism, if you're obsessed, then you're creating all the time. This is where prospecting, like when I teach prospecting and sales, like the way that I was taught was so unethical that I'm just like, ew, I don't want to fucking sell. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to force anybody. I don't want to manipulate anybody. I don't want to persuade anyone. I don't want to do that. I teach sales in an ethical way where it feels fantastic, where you lead with gratitude and appreciation and connection and you disconnect from outcomes and contribution. And you're just literally flooding everybody with so much value, kindness, consideration, compassion, and space to breathe. And you're not coming from, from this need, this, I need your money. I need, I need, I need It's I don't need anything from you. I just, if I did need something, I would need you to trust me. Like that's what I'm selling. Right. So there's different ways to do things. I'm obsessed with my way of being. I fucking love who I have become and who I'm becoming. Like, I think that has everything to do with it, you know, and to link that to manifestation. Well, I got, I got an edge because I was the, you know, I was working with Think and Grow Rich the way that I did. And that helped me a lot because I was already reading Think and Grow Rich from 16 years old. You know, I was already a junkie, I'm a seminary junkie from like 16, you know, I was already deep into books and deep into learning from so young. 
So to manifest at 30 years old, the opportunity to be the right-hand man of the president of the Thinking Grow Rich Institute, that gave me a sense of presence in my life where it was like, holy fuck, I have firsthand access to the formula behind the formula behind the formula. And then I got the, the privilege of like teaching Napoleon Hill's material and getting permission to, to by the family, by Napoleon Hill's family and the, you know, that gave me so much self-certainty because I was validated by a source that I had in mind as the top fucking source of manifestation. So that gave me so much fucking certainty that I went forward with that and I modified everything that I learned from that experience in my life. And I made it my own in a way that resonates with me uh, and that aligns with my ways of being. So the manifestation formula, like they'll teach it as first we think, then we do, then we become what we are. I teach it as first we think, then we feel, then we feel through our feelings, then we do, and then we become that which we are. So being empathetic and compassionate and having such a spiritual touch to my feelings and the way I am, it's important for me to really be checking in with myself before I do any actions. So there's a sense of self-awareness that is at the forefront of manifestation, but ultimately manifestation at the core of it is woo-woo. It's very like, oh, this thing manifested, this thing happened. Yeah, great. But what happened was you either said something, acted on something, touched something, put something in place, positioned yourself caused something, created something, shifted something or moved something, you did something, you acted, you made yourself available for manifestation and you used communication, whether it was verbal, spiritual, audible, you moved something, you communicated for that manifestation to allow itself to come into your life. So when we get off the woo and we go into the, the what, like what did I actually do for this to manifest? Well, I spoke to this person who knows this person. And then that person said this, but things are happening. So manifestation is, yeah, first we think, then we feel, then we do, then we become what we are. And inside of that, the mechanics of that are all in action. And if you talk about getting in action, we can go into the layers of frequency, resonance, and vibration, which is very fucking real. Because if you are resonating at a frequency of ambition, enthusiasm, self-certainty, possibility, creativity, and you're flowing through life, touching people, impacting them, penetrating and permeating them with all of this energy, they're then going to be influenced by that. And it's going to spark ideas and spark initiative in them. And you're literally causing all these ripple effects to happen all over you, which are pulsating at a resonance of manifestation that is going to have things come to you because you are the source of what caused all that ripple to begin with. So, you know, it's fucking amazing. That's what happens. It seems like that's what's happening here. It's like, as you're saying things, I'm like, I'm like, we should do this. I need to do this. And like <laughs> your energy is like it's sparking me. I'm a manifestor generator in human design, but like I manifest, like I used to think I was a witch. I was like, holy shit. I think something <laughs> and it happens. <laughs> and like, yeah. I just, there's so and much power in that. And I'm like, I'm new into like really learning how to mat, like focusing on doing it intentionally. And it's just like, when you're around people like you, um, it's just, your energy is contagious and the vibe is on such a different frequency that like you're sparking or like uh, the key word today is activate <laughs> the magic word you're activating me i know you're activating Teresa, and like it's i really hope everyone out there listening is being activated like you know everything that you're saying it's like 
is this a TED talk? Am I getting firsthand <laughs> access to Marcos's TED talk? Holy shit. Like this is, this is an awesome, this is awesome. This is just so good. I'm I love it. I, yeah. I'm grateful. I appreciate how much you guys are validating me. I actually, I take validation very seriously. It boosts me. So I'm just like, yo, I'm, I'm as I'm receiving that, I'm like, I'm so underrated. And then that's coming up for me. Like I'm underrated. And it's like, why? And it's like, what do you mean underrated? Like imposter syndrome? No, definitely not an imposter. I am the furthest thing from an imposter. Okay, what do you mean underrated? Uh, underrated, kind of like kind of like the TED TED talk. Like, why haven't I given myself the opportunity to be on bigger stages? Yeah, to have why? My opinions heard. And I think it's because I'm an introvert that has a big fuck you on my forehead to needing the acceptance of everybody. It's because so, you haven't met me yet. Who's uh, in publicity and PR. You just need the right person to say, okay, it's time for you to get on a TED stage. I'll tell you how to do it. do it. It's my goal I've this year. Wanted, I've always wanted that. I've always wanted someone to be a representation of me. I almost feel like the artist in me. Like one thing I'm so proud of is that I could be here dropping all this fucking knowledge, wearing a fitted in a hoodie. Like I don't look like the guy that maybe people would paint the picture to. And I fucking love that. I strived. I've been striving for that for almost 25 years now. Like just to be able to be myself without being stereotyped, you know, as what this version, this level of intelligence and self-awareness has to look like based off of, again, how we were introduced to what success looks like, right? Like it goes back to that. So I'm walking around with this pride, like, yes, I'm fucking dope, you know? And, and, and I just love having that awareness because it gives me so much self-certainty and I'm not hurting anybody with that awareness. People may be intimidated or offended by that kind of awareness, self-confidence, call it arrogance. And I'm just like, you can call it arrogance. I call it self-love. Let's go for a drink. <laughs> like who gives a shit? Why does it bother you so much? Right? So well, it's, it's like you're triggering someone who doesn't have that confidence, who has that self doubt, you know, and I think it's great. And I, you know, maybe you, you're saying that you maybe are you underrate your you, you maybe it's you're underrating yourself, but you have you have this gift. So you need to go beyond dissecting success and find those stages and share your messages because. I just met you. Like I literally, as we're talking, followed you on Instagram. I can't wait to like learn more about you, but this is going to be one of those episodes that I probably listened to a couple times. Like, I feel like this is like that pep talk that I need to do this or that. And, you know, I practice meditation and journaling and I'm on this healing journey. I'm at the beginning of a spiritual awakening. I'm about to go on a four hour drive back to my hometown and I'm in a hotel right now. And I've downloaded a book because I've had a lot of loss recently and I'm learning to kind of tap into, you know, feeling and hearing energies and feelings and just getting messages from the oh spirit like it's happening like lights are flickering things are happening and i'm just like learning more about it because i'm open to it anyways i'm on this journey and like i feel like everything you're saying i feel like I, you have like Teresa said you have all these layers to you and i can't wait to start to peel them back and you know i don't know there's just there's lots of things like so this is one of those episodes that we're gonna you should favorite out there and come back to like download. you didn't get a fortune cookie with your dinner last night here's a bit of Marcos. <laughs> okay, I got I got a fortune cookie for you. This morning I'm driving to Toronto, and I always do my like random YouTube like what am I gonna kill time with two hour drive, and I came across this video Dolores Cannon on life after death. Okay, Dolores Cannon on life after death. Okay. And 
it fucking blew me away because I believe her that she has seen what happens after you die. And she has done all these hypnotherapy, past regression. Like she's a legend. I, I went, I was, I was listening to the fucking episode. I was watching it, driving to a coffee shop to take my first client call this morning. And I ended up, of course, at an Indigo, which is a bookstore, you know? And of course I finished my call and I go into Indigo and I, I went to go buy her books, right? So I wrote a book, it's called Handpicked. And I, I keep stalling on finishing it because I'm, I not now, but was prior to today, terrified of continuing to write about death because I'm such a Manny Jenny. So I'm like, I don't want to Manny Jenny that shit into my life. So I'm literally, she's talking about what happens after you die. And it is everything that I wrote in my book. And I did research. I downloaded that book into my space. So I fictionalized the experience of life after death and what happens when you die into this book. And the book is this rom-com version of what she talked about in that episode. So I'm like fascinated now because I'm like, I have to finish my book. I was right all along. It's been six years I've been writing this book. So I'm here to, to tell you to check out Dolores. Dolores Cannon is going to assist in all that magic that you are receiving right now. Well, yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to look that up. Dolores Cannon, yeah. Amazing. That is really cool. And and I'm going to say something to you. Both Blair and I have published books. Oh, we, we both have published books. We're best-selling authors, in fact, with Amazon, okay. which is pretty cool. My next book is coming out soon. I feel like one thing that I really just think is fascinating me about this whole manifest whole manifestation conversation, this whole conversation, like first up, I'm lit the fuck up. Like I'm so beyond activated. Like, let's just call it what it is. Second, like I know that I manifested you into my fucking life. Like you acted on that. Like what you said, like I fucking know it. Like I'm like, okay okay, this is how this works. Click, 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 click. Like so many like light bulbs went off <laughs> in the last like 45 minutes that mm. we've been having this conversation. And like, I could just keep talking to you for hours. I'm like, can I just like, can I just have to have you on like continuation? And I'm like, hang, hang on, I do. Because I listen to your music like all the fucking time, like literally, that. literally. So, oh my goodness! Like, I, I, I just want to keep talking to you for hours. And and guess what? I, I can. You can very soon. Yes, yes. I can. So this is really, really exciting. So, like, I hate to fucking wrap up this conversation because I know I, I literally like want to go forever. But we we gotta wrap this up. And All right. I just like, is there something <sighs> that you want to, to say before you go out and speak to millions on a stage? Because I know you will guaranteed it's happening. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really scared of that. Like I'm terrified. 
have you read YouTube comments? <laughs> like people are weird. You don't need to you read know? the comments. Yeah. You're going out. You don't I need know. to read the comments. Okay, Blair told me saying, the nicest like, thing. No, like Blair said to me, when the trolls come, you've made it. And I remember yeah. having the troll come, like one of my like reels, like had a lot of views and then the trolls came and it, like it was mean. And I, I sent it to Blair and I said, Blair, like, but like, what, what the fuck? Like, what do I do? Like, and she, she said, and the trolls come, you've made it. And I was like, I am fucking celebrating the trolls. And now every time trolls come and say mean things, A, I just delete them. And then I'm like, I fucking made it. Like, <laughs> so trolls, like, like, you know, and then there's also like, when I, when I start to like see it and read it with other people and see the shit storms, then I just want to go and like crawl into like a dark yeah. room and speak with anyone ever again. So yeah. So I get it, but I'm a work in progress in that regard. I'm sensitive. I'm so sensitive. I care. So, and I think that's part of my healing is like the desire to be liked and, and all that. So, you know, I think that's, that's definitely work that I'm working on. So uh, that, yeah, that's, that's a sensitive spot for me, you know, like, you know, in one, the part of me that doesn't give a fuck is when I'm on a roll, but when I'm actually wounded, I give a big fuck. <laughs> Right. So I have to find a dance between those two experiences. Amen. <laughs> so Marco, yeah. where can people get more from you? Like, where do you want people to go? Like, I feel like, like I want more Marcos. Where do I go? Just text me. <laughs> just text me. Everybody gives their socials and then I never hear from anybody. So just text me be like, yo, I just heard the end. The interview i think it's fantastic um or whatever you got in your space and then let's have a conversation and then i'll send you to my socials you know um so but yeah like, including your phone number directly in the show notes is that what you're telling us right now? yeah okay just text me hey, wait, text me it's fine someone wants to call you call me it's fine i won't answer who picks up their phone these days yeah not me <laughs> My phone's on oh. silent. You can text me. My too. phone's on DND all the time. <laughs> I'm going to text you and you better respond. I will. I love getting, I love getting, honestly, there's this part of me that really wants to be loved and accepted. So if I see that there, I have messages, people are, need me, that's important for me. It makes me feel important. That, that makes me feel valued. Well, I'll make you so, feel important, but I also want to feel important from you because I what I'm learning is that I, I can't like I'm working on cracking my heart open by putting the pieces back together because I'm not able to feel gratitude and love. I understand it. I'm able to feel sadness and anger. And it's a whole nother conversation from like childhood trauma. And so what I'm learning is how to feel love. And when people say things, how to actually feel them and not just hear them. So I invite, so I invite you to respond to all of our listeners. and me. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious if that's true. Uh, not the challenge, rather in the context, if that's true. Um, it's a whole nother conversation that we can have on text. Have you experienced gratitude for this exchange that I contributed to your podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Like I could feel it in my chest. Like I'm doing some deep medicine work with healing guides and I've just started like meditating every day and journaling, like in the last year, like I lost my mom and my dad within a year, my father-in-law had a miscarriage. I had a lot of death. So I'm on this path of like relearning what my life is about. And part got of it. Well, yeah. you gotta watch this video. I told you, Oh my God, you're going to love 
you're going to love where your family is right now. Oh, I'm, I'm into it. Like, I feel like I see my mom more now. Like she, we we're running out of time. My mom shows up in my dreams all the time. Like I hang out with my, feel her with me more than when she was alive that I'd rather her be alive, but my mom's with me. It's interesting. I'm on. Yeah. This just watch this video all the way to the end. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to look for it right now while Teresa wraps up with you. Well, I'll send you we're gonna send me a text and I'll send you the link. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to send you a text. You're going to send us the link. We're going to put your number and the link to My this social, video that yeah. clearly and the video, yeah. you should watch into the show notes. So it's going to be like so easy. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't even know how the fuck to wrap this up. Other than I'll wrap it up. this was, was amazing. <laughs> you wrap it up. I love it. You just put the up. like, bow tie around it go so let's acknowledge the audience first so i want to say thank you to everyone that witnessed us in our expression in our exchanges in our dynamics and our authenticity thank you to the audience anyone that stuck around if you're hearing this message we appreciate you this was definitely done for each of us selfishly because it's fulfilling for us but there's definitely a premise of contribution and that contribution is because we thought of you and how We can add value to your life or your day. So thanks for giving us the space to be ourselves. Thank you to Blair and Teresa for inviting me on. I appreciate the both of you looking at me as a contribution to the legacies that the both of you are building through this work. I value being cared about and to be seen. Um, And I value that you've taken my energy and contribution in such a way that has activated and lit the fuck up the both of you um, and that you're amplifying things that were maybe dormant or things that you know, you've been waiting to, to be activated. So I, I'm so grateful that I get to be a contribution. And thank you to myself to, you know, for showing up and, and for fucking living the way that I've lived enough to have this level of self-awareness with this communication as a superpower and this self-expression um, that allows me to just be who I am proudly um, while also striving for the legacy that I'm building as well. So thank you to all who are involved. I feel like this was like, I just said grace to the podcast kings and queens (laughs) namaste thank you and yeah we'll see you in the next one amen peace that's a wrap for another episode of dissecting success enjoyed this episode make sure to subscribe to Blair Kaplan Venables and Teresa Lambert's podcast dissecting success on the app store and follow us on Instagram at Teresa Lambert Coaching and Blair from Blairland to stay up to date on our latest episodes, badass offers, and more.